Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. But it kind of has become the the catch-all for the clutter of our lives. And I, I don't think that the table is wrong. I think that for where we're at in life, for what's going on in our lives, I just think that the table has become a waste of its potential. I think that what it could be and what it is in, in, in many of our, our lives, it's, um, it's just it's wasting its potential of what it could, what could happen in the world and even in our families while we sit at it in today's day. Right, because uh, if I can just be honest, I'm gonna, you know, I always try to be the transparent pastor. I don't think I've got it all together. I don't even think I got a lot of it together. I got maybe some of it together, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. But there's times where the nickels come home, and we don't sit and eat at the table. We eat at the coffee table, and then we watch Friends or whatever's on TV, right? Or we go to Chick-fil-A and have some Christian chicken, right? That's kind of what... That's kind of what dinner time and that connection time has, has turned into. But my hope would be that there's something better, that there's, that there's a better way. There's a better way to do life and that this potential is not wasted anymore after today. When I look at this table, you know, this is a, a pretty old table. I don't know if it's older than me. We bought it used and it's, you know, if you could, uh, if a table could tell stories, I'm sure it would have some dandies, right? Um, but even as I think about it, I look back and think about time in, in the past of, of major events in our history that have happened at a table similar to this. Uh, you know, it might have been bigger or smaller or rounder or square, but uh, things like the signing of the de- Declaration of Independence. You know, I, I foresee, picture a, a group of men standing around a table and, and writing things out and putting their name on something that would declare us free to worship and live the way that we feel like God was telling us to do it. Um, you know, I think even back to, you know, talking about this specific time in our, uh, our, our own history, we're celebrating Thanksgiving on Thursday, and uh, I'm sure all the ladies here know, but some of you guys, you might still be oblivious, but Thursday's Thanksgiving, and then watch your bank accounts Thursday night, because Black Friday's coming, Right? I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, you know, not just because of, you know, uh, sweet potato pie and all that delicious stuff, right? Uh, By the way, I mean, the fact that we can put, you know, nuts and brown sugar and marshmallows on a vegetable and call it, like, dinner is just incredible to me. Um, There should be, like, I I love Thanksgiving food so much. There should be a restaurant that, like, just does Thanksgiving food. It's, like, year-round, right? Cracker Barrel. Yeah, that's it. That's, we have it already. Perfect. That's why we like it so much. Um, but to think at it, you know, looking at a table like this and thinking back to hundreds of years ago in the 1600s where um, 50 pilgrims sat around a table much like this and celebrated and, and thanked God for the fact that they had, they had made it, that there was provision, 
that the harvest had come through and that they were free to worship and do what they felt like God had called them to do. That happened in something much like a table like this. To think even further back beyond that of um, this uh, Jewish rabbi uh, just a couple thousand years ago who sat around with his disciples and celebrated their, what would be their last supper together. They didn't realize it at the time, but at a table similar to this, you know, it was probably that table was a, a lot lower than what this is, and those guys probably sat on the ground or sat on cushions. But in a similar fashion, as they all sat around the table, Jesus talked with them and started to communicate with them about the things that were to come. They connected at the table. In the, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 14, it says this. It says, when the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Now, at this time, I'm going to stop right there. It, they're actually celebrating the Passover feast, which if you were to put in perspective of like, you know, what I just talked about with like the, the first Thanksgiving here in the Americas and, and, and even what we're going to celebrate here on Thursday, uh, this, is, this is pretty similar in the sense of this was a feast in which, this was a time in which the Jewish people got together and they understood the perspective, they got some perspective of what had happened in their life and how God had showed up and how God had delivered them from the Egyptians. It was the Passover feast, it was the remembrance of, of the time where the, the, the angel of the Lord passed over the Jewish people as they obeyed him and did what he had called them to do. And through that, they segued into living in freedom. It was a time of, of thanksgiving, of remembrance, similar to, to where we're at now. I think one of the things that helps this uh, table not be a waste of space anymore, not, not, uh, that helps this table, helps us uh, let this table live up to its potential in our lives, is a couple things. The first thing, I believe, is an attitude of gratitude. Look at your neighbor and say, attitude of gratitude. Now, I know that sounds like a little bit like a Baptist preacher of me, because they rhyme, but it's all right. You'll remember it here later on today. But we've kind of gotten to the point in America where Thanksgiving is you know, just something that happens where we remember Aunt Bethany's going to show up, right? She's going to bring her casserole with cat hair in it, and we're going to have to pick through it. We're going to have to make sure that the, the house is clean, even though we don't live, it, live in it where it's fully clean, right? Where there's stress and tension, and we try not to yell at our sister we haven't talked, about and talked to in the past year, right? It's kind of, it's become a, a, a holiday of, of tension and spending, and it's just kind of become tough. When, I believe when it started, it was about understanding perspective of what the tough things we've come through and being thankful and giving thanks to God for what he has done in us over the past year. Part of me thinks like, what, what happens if that was something that we, that perspective that we took or a position that we took every day that we sat at this table with our family? What about if it was a perspective that we had in our heart of, of, of how life was, to think back of like, you know what? Life hasn't always been easy. There's been tough things that we've had to go through. But the reason that we're here today 
and able to do what we're doing is because Jesus showed up and allowed it to work out. Having the attitude of gratitude, I think, is very helpful in us being able to live out the life that God has called us to, to live our best life. Psalms 106, verse 1 says this. The latter part, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He is, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. This Thanksgiving season, I hope uh, that at the beginning of your meal, uh, at the middle of your meal, uh, during the time in which uh, you want to strangle the person across the, across the table from your meal, I hope that your heart would change a little bit and that you would have an attitude of gratitude and thank God for what he has given you and what he has pulled you from. As we read on into uh, Luke chapter 22, what Jesus says, he says, for I tell you, now that, uh, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until, the me- until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave, thanks to the, he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took, the cu- he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. You know, I think the, uh, the Last Supper communion is pretty significant in, um, in the church today. Or should be. Uh, it, sometimes we don't uh, understand the gravity behind it of what it represents. Uh, but I think that uh, as we continue to pursue this, this thanksgiving, this understanding of, of what has, the price that has been paid, the things that had to be put together, as we're, as we're getting this thanksgiving season uh, together, as we're trying to prepare, prepare meals and plan and pay the cost and the price for what's, what's going to happen as we all sit around a table to think back of what the price that God had to pay. God had a plan. He had a purpose with what he was doing. And as Jesus sat before, before his 12 disciples and said, this is my body which is going to be broken. This is my blood which will be spilt. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the cost. It was the price that was paid. But because of it, something amazing happens. This, this thought, this, this understanding of the Lord's Supper, of taking communion, of, of being together and breaking bread in remembrance of Jesus is something that the, the early church was actually built on. It's something that our church is built on. In the book of Acts, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about the beginning, talks about the beginning of the early church and its foundation. And it says this, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. One of the four things that they say the early church was built on was this remembrance, this understanding of the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples and the significance of these elements. And I think the basis of it has to come from a perspective, an attitude of gratitude. See, the reason why Jesus did this is because 
God said, you know what? The, the way that's going on right now, the way of you abstaining from sin, it's not something that you can do anymore. I've got to come up with a better way. And so he put together a plan and provided a way, and he paid the price that as we accept Jesus, as we accept this, as we accept that, that Jesus laid down his body and his blood was spilt, because of that, as he came back to life, the only human to ever have done that, as we believe in him, we're able to, we're able to receive that gift. We're able to receive that price that has been paid. It's never been done before. You know, one of the things I, um, I love about um, growing up with my parents and uh, as I remember every Thanksgiving we would do this thing, and it's maybe something that you guys probably do as well. It's probably not unique to our family, uh, but every Thanksgiving before we could break into anything, the turkey, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, we had to go around the table and say, tell me what you're thankful for. And it couldn't be like dumb stuff like my bike or whatever. You know, it, It's like, no, take, take a second and think, what are you thankful for? What happened for you to be able to get to where you're at right now? What about if we just took a second and, and, and didn't, just, didn't just think that's just the way things were, but we understood the cost of what it took for the people, for Jesus, for, for us to be here today? I think it's significant. And I think, I think if we were to understand what was seen at that table, what happened at that table, if we took on the, the characteristics of, of what happened in that room or even what the first pilgrims felt of, of this idea of changing, starting a completely new life and not knowing that it's gonna work out, but sitting around a table and giving thanks, I mean, I think it would change our lives, change the world that we live in. Today, I think there's, there's two things that I hope for you uh, as we celebrate this Thanksgiving season here in America. The first one is I hope that um, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, um, if you're a follower of Christ, I hope that you continue to choose to sit at the table of the Lord. When Jesus says, come, all who are weary. When Jesus says, come and partake and receive this gift I've given to you. I hope it's something that you live in, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I want to let you know it's, some, it's something that you're missing out on. You have an opportunity to receive the gift that, that Jesus has given for you and for I. It was a great price to be paid. It's something that we should be thankful for and that we should receive. And if we do, it doesn't change, change our life here on this earth. It changes our life in eternity. It's incredibly significant. But I also think that there's a part during this Thanksgiving season where we need to invite Christ to the table that we're at. You guys, as I was doing some study in this past week, I, um, I, I started to look back on um, the, the first Thanksgiving and the story of how it all happened and, and the people that were present. And um, I didn't realize that there was some tension that, uh, that it took to get for all those people to be there. Um, it says, you know, if you read up on it, about, there was something like 50 pilgrims that were there for that first Thanksgiving. Um, and it says that there were 90 Native Americans there. They were greatly outnumbered. 
It was not an even, if anything were to go wrong, it was not an even fight. These these guys would have been completely slaughtered. But I think in, in the basis of what they were doing, there was also ability to experience some peace as they were thanking God for what had happened and what had got them there. I believe that there was some, some peace to be had in it. But even grander than that, if you think to the table of what happened at uh, that last Passover feast, that, um, what happened at that, that last supper with the disciples, and you think about who's in the room. You think about Matthew, the tax collector, right? There was uh, hardworking guys, just tradesmen, fishermen, right, and Peter. There was a teacher in Jesus. And lastly, there was, there was a traitor in Judas. But they're all sitting at this table. And Jesus doesn't say, I do this just for 11 of you. He says, I do this, I do this for all of you. You know, without Jesus at that table, none of those guys would be sitting with one another. They wouldn't be sharing. They wouldn't be remembering. They would not have any type of attitude of thanks. They would have just had an attitude of awkward. Tax collectors were worse than sinners. The Bible would uh, talk, to them, talk about them being uh, that, that they were the lowest of the low. But Jesus brings them in. Peter was a fisherman. He was just a hardworking, hardworking guy. Probably wasn't the smartest. But he brings him in. Just come follow me. Let me teach you. Judas, who he knew would become the traitor, says, hey, I'm going to put you in charge of the finances of this group. Come and follow me. As he brings them all together, he understands that with what he does, as he's a part of the table, as he's a part of the gift that is to come, he understands that their lives are going to be better. The world is going to be a better place. And so today, as you start Thanksgiving with your family, uh, I understand there might be um, some tough, tough people sitting at your table. Maybe there's some people that you don't get along with. Um, maybe there's some people that have judged you. Or maybe if you're honest with yourself, maybe, maybe you've been the person that has judged falsely. I think there's an opportunity in this time uh, of forgiveness and of allowing all that stuff to, to pass over and not stick anymore, to move on and to live out the purpose that Christ has for us. If we'll invite him to be a part of the table. Colossians 3, 16 says this. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Today I want to invite you to do two things. One, to come to the table. In communion, I believe that Jesus wants to connect with you. He wants you to remember him. He wants to have that relationship 
with you. It's not just something that happens on Sunday. It's something that can happen throughout the week. And so today, here in just a few minutes, we're going to, as a church, take communion together. And if you're a believer in Christ, if you understand the significance, I want to open it up to you to be able to, to do this by yourself or do this with your family. To come to the table of the Lord and remember what he has done. To, to have him help you change your, your attitude into one of gratitude. For this to be a time of thankfulness. But then also as we step away from this time of communion, to invite him to come with us. To have him kind of transform what our table has become of a catch-all for clutter and dust. And as we invite him to the table of our family, not just this Thanksgiving season, but for tonight and tomorrow night and the nights to come, to invite him to say, have your way. I think it'll change your life. I know it'll change your life for the better as it has changed mine. And so as uh, we go to take this, I'm going to invite uh, the people I've asked, the volunteers that are going to help serve community to step up. They're going to stand behind the table. And typically we do this thing where you just take a bit of the cracker and you dip it in the juice and remember what Jesus has done. But today we're going to do things a little bit more um, significant. We're going to have a whole loaf of bread and I'm going to have you come up and you break off a piece of what would represent the body of Christ. I'm going to have you dip it in not so much a, a glass, but a vessel of what would be the blood of Christ in, in significance with the wine. And as you do this, I think it's a great opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm, I want to sit at your table. And I continue to accept you and remember you. And as we pray and as we take it back to our seat to invite him to be a part of what happens at our table. With every head, bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Heavenly Father, you know exactly what we're struggling with and what we're dealing with. You know the tensions in our family right now. God, we don't have it all together. Jesus, even though that we're not okay, we know that you are okay. And you can work it all out. So we invite you to be a part of our family, to be a part of what happens in our home. I pray that we would focus and thank and be thankful of what you continue to do and what you have done. I pray that we would focus on the significance of you being a part of our lives. And today, as we partake in this communion, we continue to choose you, continue to recognize what you have done and we're thankful to be able to sit at your table. Have your way. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.